In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witness. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. They're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Welcome back to the Incense Podcast, guys. I'm Sam. And I am Blaine. I'm getting kind of used to introducing myself, I have to say. Someone commented on that recently, actually. Did they? They said it- Was it mom? Finally sounds- Hi, mom. Not awkward, which I took to be a compliment. That's good. Question mark? Yeah. Sometimes compliments don't feel like that. Today's topic is criticism and the interesting reality that whoever you are, whatever you do, the criticism is coming. Much more so if you actually tried to bring forth some of the creativity God has set in you into the world. Mm-hmm. The higher the stakes, the, the more vulnerable it actually feels. And actually, it feels like risk when you are risking. That one should be pretty obvious. A lot of different stories actually come to mind for this particular episode because we're entering an election year because of our own past, because of things going on this week. Um, We found ourselves having this conversation through several different lenses, and they don't connect for me at this moment. So which one do you want to start with? I want to start with the fact that this year, by which I mean last year, in 2019, a movie came out that was about Mr. Rogers, of all people, uh-huh. And it was based on a true story of a reporter, Tom Junod, Junod, I don't know. It's said like this, Tom Junod. And if you have not, J-U-N-O-D, <laughs> go, well, it's I'm, written like that, I'm you spelling mean. it for you so that you can go find the article that he wrote after yeah. the film came out, which is transformative. And the plot went like this. There is a journalist who actually has a pretty convoluted personal life, who's sent to write a story about Mr. Rogers. And it's funny because he's a very acerbic, cutting writer. And Fred Rogers befriends him. Uh, They become lifelong friends, and it's a relationship that actually changes him. And he wrote an article, My Friend Mr. Rogers, uh, last year with the movie coming out, And one of the things that was really interesting about it is this guy, as kind of a well-regarded mainstream journalist without strong political affiliation, uh, going, most of what Mr. Rogers stood for is completely gone. Because what he stood for is that you could treat most people with basic civility because they were a child of God. And he goes, this has been replaced with the idea that you can do something that takes that away from you, where it is not only okay, but it is right to scream at you. And this is everywhere. If you are in the wrong, 
There is nothing to protect you in just our current social climate. You deserve to be publicly shamed. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me was our experience after the motorcycle film, actually. And for those of you that aren't aware of that, there was some backlash that we experienced after creating and releasing this. Uh, it was meant to be a curriculum, the story of which was carried through this adventure motorcycle trip through the mountains. And when we finished it, we we're like, this is too, the, the footage is too amazing not to try and weave this together into a story for a, a full length thing. So did that, released it. And of the people that went and saw it, a little over 2% of people had a hard time with it. And they were the motorcycle community who felt like they had been tricked and duped into seeing this movie. And it was a pretty horrible experience to be on the receiving end of. Like it's, it's I realize it's just a thousand people and it's just this moment in time. However, for a group of people to need to be the filter on the vitriolic hatred of other human beings, it's a crushing experience. And I found myself in the middle of it going like, I, we can receive more hatred these days at the drop of a hat than a president of the United States could a hundred years ago. Yes. Like this is, this is crazy. Like the percentage of the people that liked it, that didn't like it. And then I found myself going like, oh, if you lined a hundred people up and 98 of them said, thank you, but two of them spat in your eye, you would still have to wipe the spit out. Like you, it doesn't matter how small it does have an effect. And the tricky thing is, is as we were teasing this out beforehand, you end up having empathy or, or seeing the reason why the attack is coming. Like it often feels valid for some reason. And that can make it feel really tricky in how to manage because for these people in this specific example, the way that they had heard of the film, like it, it did, it was hard to connect the dots backwards into where it had come from, though the names were on everything, Don Eldridge was on everything, Ransom Hart was on everything. There were short versions of things that it would be easy to not look that up and just go see something where it, and get offended by it. So the people that were needing to be the filter of the very attack against themselves, i.e. me and a couple other people, could totally empathize with where it was coming from and therefore didn't feel the need to defend ourselves too much, but, but like needed to. And this ended up being this firsthand horrible experience on, in this day and age, the culture is one where if you are slighted, if you feel like you are in the, in the right and have been wronged, you can dehumanize another person justifiably, violently, and swiftly. The motorcycle film is a great example. And the response that you were just referring to is really worth unpacking because it was unusual. <laughs> uh, but yes, this starting place of our cultural moment is unique in you know, the end of expertise, the privilege of the person on the street, the ability to carry offense. And yeah, that same one of that in the cause of 
abstract justice of some kind really destroy a person. And the alternatives or kind of the things that we want to unpack here are that there is a completely different way of doing this in Jesus. And one of the things to start with is in, you know, in my experience, when I come under critical attack, my knee jerk is very defensive. And not everyone's like this, but mine kind of goes into a, I can see where I made a mistake, but you are even worse and I will take you down. And what, what gets triggered in me is attack mode. Plant some flowers in your garden. Change the color of your curtains. Choose to read one book instead of another book. Literally do anything in the direction of wholeheartedness and the criticism is coming. Do anything out of a whole heart and the criticism is coming. We release quite a lot of content around here. So we have more opportunities than most people to be criticized. And we got some spicy criticism recently. And my response was so uh, really... Who are you to judge me? I actually had to <laughs> repent within an hour because I felt such so much of the heaviness of why am I doing this? I am aware that I have made real mistakes and the experience of fear in response to those mistakes is causing me to go into, I will destroy you. And it was you in this case going, hang on. This is still a hurting person. They have not lost their humanity because right now they're lashing out on you. Like you can actually still see them the way that God sees them. You can overlook this on their behalf. Mm-hmm. It's not easy stuff. When we got this email, I also, okay, I had a couple of days to process before you got to hear about it and part of me didn't even want to mention it because we do get triggered in different ways of you're going to respond with fight, flight, freeze, as it feels like it's some assessment of your worth or goodness or doing things correctly. And I, I have had a couple of pieces that have felt really helpful on the receiving end of criticism. And, and one is to acknowledge that it does have an effect, large or small, like back to the motorcycle piece, a couple of us had to go get counseling to deal with the fact that it is traumatizing. It does have this weight. If you want a visual example, look at any presidents before and after photos when they enter and leave office. It is crazy. The one that comes to mind right now is the one of Obama over eight years. He like aged two decades. And I have so much sympathy for the man of being the object of so many millions of people's attention and hatred and hope and adoration. And it's happening right now with Trump. And we're about to enter into that again. It's like, oh, you get in the receiving end of that and you're able to name it as weighty. You get very careful about doling that out to somebody else. And I found myself having even small scale conversations in the last couple of weeks with people in my life that like they're, they're scary conversations to have, but actually if your verdict isn't on the table and you're able to go, no, like these are still people and my pain, my experience is valid. And therefore 
I get to just walk into this with empathy and take myself out of the equation as much as possible. Oh my gosh, it's such a relief. Like there's still a person that coming at you for what feels like very valid reasons on their part. And I don't know that we are able to or meant to stand the case for ourselves. Jesus is our advocate. And I think most of the time we're not going to be forced to or even have the opportunity to defend ourselves. But in places where I've felt the healthiest, I've known that I actually don't have to, to that person. Yes. Okay. This is, this has to be the starting place for me, which is you are safe because of the covering of Jesus, not because you nailed it. And any of the work that you do will be in some way wrong. This does not mean other people have permission to curse you. I've been very aware of the ways that my failure over the years, especially relationally, feels like it gives other people permission or some claim uh, to curse or be angry or something and and recognizing, oh, actually, uh, the covering of Jesus is that, you know, you do something and somebody finds fault with it and the part of me that is afraid because I can see that there's a fault can actually look to, yes, there is a fault. Uh, it's the thing that God has chosen to cover and it cancels your claim. It really changes the experience of engaging critical people to go, uh, yes, but I'm not going to come under what you're saying. Right, which is nuanced and also really freeing because there's usually a piece of truth. Right. And it's hard not to wrap up everything about you into that truth, like a criticism on a piece of writing. Hey, you didn't really craft that perfectly. Like when you're just beginning the writing journey, those can be crushing words. They can feel like ah, what, what's actually being said is I am a bad writer. And what you need is to be able to have the fortitude to hear those and hear them as true, but not the overall verdict. And those stakes get raised and raised and raised into critiques of your personhood, of the way you did certain things, they, like they compound, they feel, they feel like the same scenario, but over you. And so being able to navigate, okay, I don't have to do everything perfectly. And I can actually learn from those things without them feeling like I am a horrible human being who should just pack it in and do everyone a favor by not being around. Like, whoa. And it sounds, it sounds so obvious when you aren't the one inside the experience. When you're on the outside, it's a lot easier to go like, uh, obviously, like, come on, back to show some fortitude. But that's where another one of my pieces does get dropped in of, I refer to this all the time, Victor Frankl's Man Search for Meaning, being able to see your current experience as a point in time is massively helpful. And I was offering that to a couple of people just in the last couple of weeks. Like, I know that this moment, this conversation, this apology, this, this whatever is on the horizon that feels like it is shaking you to your core. It is just a moment. It's just a conversation. It's just a point. It's just a morning that will pass. And it will be a year from now before you know it. It will be 10 years from now. And that won't have actually been the last word on you or on that relationship or on whatever it is. And so as much as is possible, 
to go like, okay, I can, I can pause. I can breathe. I can zoom out. I can see, I can see this as just a place. I am not trapped and therefore needing to respond and fight, flight, or freeze. It's like, okay. Oh, right. Yes. That's so huge. Returning to the grain of truth is to go, there is a fight for interpretation of your life. And the data is real, but most criticism will be interpreting you unto the worldview of Satan and go, um, what? You, you didn't water your perennials on X schedule? Oh, okay. And then you hear, I am a bad gardener and go, okay, so there is the worldview according to hatred. Uh, no. I'm reminded of Tim Thornton's thing on the How to Read the Bible podcast of Doxa. I don't accept appraisals from man. I see myself through Jesus and go, um, I am a chosen friend of God who is learning to garden. And on occasion, it's not right. But overall, the trajectory is good. And, mm. and you know, it's in any one of, you don't understand I am a bad friend. Or you don't understand... Um, I I did say the wrong thing. And simply to go, uh, the data there is being fought for and to interpret it according to Jesus. This is even key when you are, uh, if you are someone who hopefully <laughs> likes to ask for forgiveness in the right spaces, there's just a measure of considering what's being brought to you, um, especially in spaces of you know, like relational hurt to someone's like, hey, I feel this happens and I feel this way. Depending on your personality, you might fight against it. You might move away. If you're a hardcore move towards like me who really wants to reconcile, the impulse will be to go, oh, I'm sorry. I see that. But there's actually uh, a kind of higher calling to go, uh, let's interpret that. And I do want to find things to own. But I'm not sure that the data you're bringing me is accurate until it's interpreted through Jesus. So we have to share an understanding of that story before I can go, oh, that? Okay. Yep, I see that. I'm sorry. Oh, what an idyllic reconciliation moment you're describing. I feel like most people don't actually have the awareness to be like, come to the same page on what's true thematically and what's just an experience. And therefore we are limited to our own experiences. Therefore my reality must be true. And everyone else that's against me truly is against me. And I freaking hate the culture of dehumanizing that is the byproduct of a culture where we're all in front of each other all of the time. Like you wouldn't think that'd be the case. If you go on Facebook, there isn't a dislike button. And it's just pictures of people, but the amount of dehumanizing and hatred that is the fruit of all of that is like freaking mind blowing to me. And it is there. If you don't think that it is, welcome to an election year. Welcome to a year where it is another round of us versus them. And how could they possibly think this way? And they are destroying our planet or destroying our culture or oppressing. And like some of these things might be true depending on what the thing is. And yet you're about to enter into a 
Uh, another long boxing match that is at some level telling you the other side is not human. Yes. And so, oh my gosh. Okay, so how do you not do this? And for me, this really depends on where I am looking. And my friend Anthony framed this for me. And it's very helpful to go... The enemy's tactic is kind of to go, yeah, but look at blank thing. And what the kingdom of God does is go, yeah, but look at Jesus. And if you have a bunch of frustrating relational experiences in a row, if you are me, it can turn you into a bit of a misanthrope and go, I'm so People are just the worst. And here I thought misanthropes had gone extinct. <laughs> uh, funny. Um, but I am looking at people. Uh, I'm going, yeah, but look at how petty people tend to be. Like, no, I don't love people. And go, okay, well, you are a hardcore not choosing to see reality through Jesus in whom is light that makes sense of reality and go, um, <laughs> You have to read people through Jesus to love them. You have to see Jesus, be transformed by him to become a loving person. And so this, wow, everyone is slandering me. I think of Paul's line in Romans, let God be true, though everyone is a liar. And he just has this stake in the ground, like you read humanity through Jesus because he is saving the world and go, man, I'm getting really criticized unjustly right now. I'm so mad at these people. And to go like, there may be some prayer to bring the work of Christ between you. There may be some steps involved in like getting distance from humanity's ability to curse, but to not dehumanize, don't fixate in on their hypocrisy, especially in an election year. I mean, we're talking about humanity and humanity transcends party and go, don't fixate on... Uh, the errors in every person and go, but no, you are the worst. Go, oh my gosh, God really loves you. I want to become like the person who is being yeah. killed, right. who is able to intercede for, you know, it's the father, forgive him. I'm like, I am not like that. No. And that's exactly, that's bad. I want to make sure that's being said. Like Sam and Blaine have transcended dehumanizing other people and are able to go through an election year perfectly. Oh, like, no. man, no. Like the la four years ago was a messy round for us as we were trying to navigate all oh, the relationships and the, the stories that were being shared on one side and the other. And I want, I want to be both personally and collectively walking in a direction that is out of this dehumanizing crap and towards postures where we can separate narratives and criticism from human beings. And so for me, that's, that's where this particular episode really is landing. And like the gold is when it's about you, that can be a really helpful place to identify where you may be needing some attention because the things that feel very true are probably narratives that you are living under, whether that criticism had come up or not. So the Blaine's flower idea that, hey, you really suck at this. You are a bad blank. There's a narrative. There's an interpretation. For me, I go home and I see all the holes in the walls and it's 
you are incapable of handling even small things. It's like, oh, great. And so when an even larger narrative comes like that, it just crushes me. That's a really helpful moment to work backwards into some healing there. And on the flip side, if you're the one that's offering the criticism, oh, if you can, if you can remember, like, they're still a human being. They are still a person and there's a reason they're behaving that way. And if you can zoom out of these two minutes or these two years and go, okay, wait, who is this? Who am I? Is this really the last moment? Like, oh, these can be really stabilizing and really helpful practices that we are learning to apply and don't always apply successfully as Blaine was already admitting and needing to repent only this afternoon. Yes. Turning to the Mr. Rogers article, Tom Junod has this brilliant summary of uh, Fred Rogers's worldview and its power. And here's a couple of quotes. And that's it, really. His message to doctors was his message to politicians, CEOs, celebrities, educators, writers, students, everyone. It was also the basis of his strange superpowers. He wanted us to remember what it was like to be a child so that he could talk to us. He wanted to talk to us so that we would remember what it was like to be a child. And he could talk to anyone, believing that if you remembered what it was like to be a child, you would remember that you were a child of God. And he goes on to talk about a politician in another political party, uh, but he's sympathetic to her because he's watching the vitriol of his own party towards this person. And he goes, um, it doesn't matter what Fred would have thought of her politics. What he would have thought of her is another thing because he prayed for the strength to think the same way about everyone. She is special. There has never been anyone exactly like her. There will never be anyone like her again. God loves her exactly as she is. And there is just this, yes, but can you see the original image in people and relate to it? As you were just saying, you know, oh man, I can go on just rants when I am criticized or when I hear about the criticism going on there. And I go, but who are you to bring that instead of bringing a gracious, even loving answer mm -hmm. that relates to the humanity of the person? I mean, I was looking for it. I think it's one of the most famous proverbs and it's 15.1. And it's that a gentle answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir anger. The really interesting thing is this is one of those sets of, you know, four or five Proverbs that are a progression that are taken together. And so the book goes on. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And you have this, Unity of things. I think it's fascinating that the one is in there. Uh, the eyes of the Lord are there. And there's just this, uh, the righteous judge is present. The one who sees things truly is with you. And over time, you know, you can develop the ability to relate to the person and therefore bring the response that turns away anger. And fortunately, I don't do this part of the job, but I've watched you 
And I've watched others on the organizational front respond to really scathing, critical communication in actually a very measured tone. Not even a haha got you one, because there are some organizations that I've observed where it's kind of this holier than thou. Sorry, you seem very upset about this. Mm-hmm. Hope you have a good day. Enjoy the product. You can have it. And to go, I'm sorry it landed that way. I can see how that would be difficult. We're going to do blank thing and hope that helps. Wish you the best. And it's not coming under what they're saying. It's not submitting to the implicit worldview. It is simply choosing to relate to the person in a way that more often than not, if the exchange goes on, changes the tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a person in my mind that doesn't exist, but I'm having a conversation with them and they seem to have this abundance about them where they aren't rocked by difficulty. They're not rocked by opinions or by hard conversations. They just feel sturdy. They feel stable. And that's why I feel like there's an abundance where you just, your bucket isn't going to dilute their water because of it being so much of something else already. And I want to be that kind of person. I want to be that kind of person where you can can tell me things and and respond to things and I can have this deep stability of like, okay, I can hear and not feel like I need to make my case, not need to feel like I have to attack you, not need to feel like I have to dissociate to feel safe, but I can be present to it and be fine. The person is also wearing red with white trimming. So I may be thinking of Santa Claus. That's awesome. But there's a, there is like this, I've seen it in people. And when I see it in someone, it is so alluring that I know that I need more of it. One more piece is that when we are talking about criticism, we can't avoid the fact that Satan, God's enemy, is the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who brings a case against you. Devil means the slanderer. There is a wealth of terms around the sort of libelous accusation of the devil and to go, yes. Criticism is coming to you, and ultimately, you are going to be criticized by the enemy. One of the keys is to not engage and go, it doesn't matter, you don't get to look at me, measure me according to the perfection of Christ. Hold up, Jesus. Can you find fault with this? No. That's why he is the rescuer of the world, and By his work, his perfection is credited to me. So no, cancel this by the cross of Jesus. You do not get to criticize me in these ways. And go, whatever the thing is in bringing criticism, there is the need to engage the spiritual dimension, which is your enemy criticizing you. Shut that down. And then also, you may find yourself with the opportunity to go, Oh, and by the way, in these places where it's being brought by people, I really can engage them differently because of what I'm seeing in Jesus. 